hi, I'm Ray. And I'm Bree, and this is the R&B podcast, a pop culture podcast where each week we wrap up the most recent pop culture events, except for this month, we have our Black History Month special, in which each week we're talking about Black history. And this week, we're talking about representation in the media and like our modern, our lifetime specifically. Yeah, I'm really excited. Yeah, me too. We've talked about this casually a lot with like our friends, um, but... I think it's good to like talk about this on the podcast. Yeah, especially because when you think about it, really, when we were kids, like pre-2010, really is kind of history now, which gross, but. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, wild. Especially because we're like, it's not even just 2020. We're in 2021 now, so. Which is just disgusting. (laughs) Disgusting. But anyways, I wanted to start out with a like, a little conversation about The Bachelor, which I think is relevant to what we're talking about this week, which is representation. Um, So basically, if you watched two weeks ago now, I think he had a Matt James, which is the first Black Bachelor, had a conversation with Chelsea, who is a six foot Black runway model with, you know, a fade. Like, she's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was having this conversation with him about hair and how she grew up in a predominantly white um, neighborhood and like went to a predominantly white school. And so she basically chemically processed her hair for the first like, you know, pretty much all of her life. And up until she cut it all off, which is like really freeing for her. And it was just a really great conversation. But when they had it, all it seemed that Matt said was, oh, wow, I didn't even know. Like, that's so crazy. And so everyone was like, Matt James, you are a black <laughs> man. Why would, like, are, are you really saying that this is the first time that you're, like, having this conversation or you're thinking about this? Like, it, it was just a little, like, come on, y'all are, like, he looks awful in this situation. Um, especially when you had conversations like Tasha had uh, with Ivan that went really, really well, you know, about Black struggles and, and things like that. Um, but it turns out, as Chelsea has put on her Instagram, that there was a lot more to that conversation than ABC, let us see. Um, Matt James actually went into his own struggles with his, with his hair, how he's worn afros. Oh. Yeah, he's worn afros. He had dreadlocks braids you know (laughs) and how all of those things affected him and how when he cut off his own hair white people then told him that he was more approachable see and I like know why ABC left that conversation out (laughs) really do tell I mean think about it like they don't want so I mean obviously so much of this so much of their choice with Matt was catering still to a white audience Mm -hmm. like he's not fully black um, he's best friends with Tyler C and Hannah Brown. Some people like very like popular people in the franchise, very well loved. Um, and just like he's not black, black. And so like him talking about probably having like that hair, even though they did show it, like him actually discussing it and even like essentially calling out why people for saying he's more approachable now that he doesn't have like longer hair. Like, ABC can't show that because then their white viewers are turning off the show and or they're not like 
they have to keep them as interested in Matt as they can, knowing that he's black. They can't push him being too black. Yeah, or they can't have them questioning questioning themselves and saying, wow, have I actually said that to a black person before? Which is a conversation that black viewers are asking for, which was the whole point of the, all the protests that were going on you know, this summer, especially the petitions against ABC to do better about black representation. And it's like, they're breadcrumbing now where it's like, oh, yeah, we'll give you this conversation, but it's definitely still going to be your classic bachelor cut up and frankenbitten conversation. Yeah. And that's also why part of the like more representation in Bachelor was talking about behind the scenes as well, because like and we talked about this with Tasha, um, not on the podcast, how like because the editors like probably aren't BIPOC, they don't edit or like show what is like most appropriate for BIPOC like how I was really mad about how Tasha's like first introduction to the show was overtly sexualized like mm-hmm. she doesn't get the princess that everyone else did and it's because like you don't have a probably a black person behind the scenes to be like hey why don't we like let's reconsider this like yes we can show this aspect of her but maybe not her first introduction to like official introduction to America um so like I'm sure if there was, like, a Black person in the editing room, like, maybe they'd be like, wait, this is a good conversation, and, like, it can be had. Um, I mean, it's also, the thing, too, is, like, because Big Brother, I know you don't watch, but this past summer, they had a lot of, like, heavy, like, Black Lives Matter conversations and, like, conversations about, like, um, just, like, diversity and, like, how they felt like it was so important to come on the show, and they aired those conversations on, like, the primetime episodes so like the thing is is like they can have these convert like they can show these conversations and viewers aren't going to be upset Mm -hmm. that's what abc needs to understand yeah because i think there were a lot more white people especially that looked at that conversation with chelsea and were like we love chelsea we want to see more of her you know because they hadn't even um considered those to be conversations that they may have had with people you know yeah so yeah just goes to show you that we're still struggling with representation here in 2021. I just thought it was an interesting um, thing to start out with. But, you know, going into how we kind of grew up and like with our Disney channels, Nickelodeons, like all of the things that um, pretty much every kid that we were around were watching where did you see the most representation or like, how did you feel about the representation growing up? I think because we were like, I don't know. It's hard to say. Cause like, I don't know the opposite. Mm-hmm. Cause we, I feel like we did have so much diversity, um, especially like Disney channel. And like, I, cause I, my favorite shows growing up were that so Raven and like proud family. Mm-hmm. And, um, we had such great like decom representation and they kind of like I want to say after let it shine they really have not had like a majorly black decom I really Um, don't think they have like I really don't and that was like 2011 probably I mean which was really like that was probably one of the last decoms we really watched yeah it was around lemonade mouth I know that so like a while ago um but because we had so much representation like I didn't realize how much representation we had until I, like, grew up. And I was like, oh, like, I was able to, like, watch, like, Black women lead television shows mm-hmm. um, and, like, lead movies. And, like, so 
but like, I don't know the opposite of like not having that representation. And if like, I feel like I would have noticed it as a child. Cause I just, I didn't notice it. I didn't know the, the representation as a child. And I don't know if it's because there was a representation or just cause I was a child, yeah. but I do think it impacted me. Yeah. Positively. Positively <laughs> for sure. I mean, we both kind of are, you know, just who we are and, and out and proud about it. And I think a lot of that does have to do with, like you said, we had Penny Proud and the Proud family. We had That's So Raven. Um, and even to some extent, like True Jackson VP on Nickelodeon, yes. you know? Yeah. Um, and so we were seeing Black girls in the spotlight, you know? Now, you can kind of, like, I've criticized this representation myself when... Um, like while writing papers and stuff like that, that it's kind of all very similar. Like it's a very sassy fashion forward, like, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, she's so like, she's so out there and like whatever. And she's kind of a fish out of water, even in her own show, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, um, like in these shows, you always have the black lead, and she will have no black friends. Like she may have like one, um, one black friend, but like she, de- her best friend is definitely white. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I mean, it was definitely great to see, and I think it's just sad to see how much we've taken a step back from that. Like watching like shows that like my five year old niece is watching, I'm like where are the black kids though (laughs) like even the black best friend you know what I mean like yeah on one of her you know favorite shows they just now added in a black character like a like a new black girl character um and like I I can't remember her name right now um but like they still show episodes before this character was introduced and the episodes when this character is in them like simultaneously like it's like into syndication right and mm-hmm. so if it doesn't have the black girl in it no one's like oh this one doesn't have my favorite in it I'm not watching do you know what I mean so like, yeah. I can see <laughs> where she even realizes um this isn't about me do you know what I mean yeah cause like that is hard because like even that's what Raven showed like a black family experience, which I think like with a mom I probably and a low dad. Key, act, yeah, yeah, and I think I low key like enjoyed watching that aspect of the show more than like her life with her friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like that was like I just think that was very like Disney Channel, and they I also remember that they did cover like very like heavy topics of like um, racism, like were the like she didn't get like employed and Chelsea did yeah even though Chelsea was way less qualified than Raven was yeah and I remember watching that episode as a child and being like man that's whack they had a whole like there was a whole scene a whole close-up I can see it as clear as day where this white woman looks into the camera and goes and goes because you know I don't hire black people and I just remember like seeing that and them actually being so blatant about this is what racism looks like yeah that I was I like think that was like when I realized I was like I think that was the first time I realized like how unjust the world was yeah 
And it's like, how safe was it having that conversation at home, you know, and it's and like on one of your favorite TV shows and being able to then, you know, look at your mom and she's like, yep, and that's not right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just think it's invaluable. Yeah. And I so it's, it's wild to me how we go from like us learning about racism essentially on Disney Channel to them like basically like there's just not as much diversity on these like children's shows and it doesn't really make sense why there was steps taken back like I don't know Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah because like I'm even thinking like which which were of shows that were like before us where it was even more so than what we had right because you had um, like Nickelodeon had all that I don't know if you remember that show I do I think we were like tail end of like we were yeah we got like the Nick Cannon version of all that which is still <laughs> really funny um, but it's like like even thinking about that that theme song to that show was sung by TLC mm-hmm. you know what I mean oh I didn't know that yeah so it's like even those little qualifiers that make it a little more culturally relevant to black people it's like that those things really really matter to black kids like I remember um the show I was trying to think of it earlier um if you remember the show Romeo that was on I do remember (laughs) Romeo (laughs) yeah which is just another show of you know led by a black character and, and it showcased a black family you know what I mean yeah my parents used to make fun of me because I thought I had a crush on him <laughs> and I still don't know if I did or not because I kept being shamed oh my gosh <laughs> it's like but it's like how often did we get that opportunity to have a black lead to have a crush on you know that's so true like honestly that's so true I didn't even think about that because like honestly besides room we had Corbin Blue Exactly. And you know we all chose Zephron, which is really sad. It is, but they made Chad a little insufferable in High School Musical. But, yeah, like, (laughs) it's like, okay, you have those shows before us, right? Um, Even, like, Keenan and Kel, which was, like, Drake and Josh before Drake and Josh came around. Yeah. But it's like, then you move into post-2005. I'm pretty sure that, like, that's a Raven Proud family and all that kind of stuff were in syndication by 2005 or 2006 and that's when we yeah. got into the shows that really kind of defined um like our preteen years so you had your Zoe 101 that had one black character iCarly which was a white show um Victorious which had one black character Hannah Montana which I don't know if you remember or not, the very first episode of Hannah Montana, Corbin Blue is, like, her major crush. Oh, yeah, I remember that episode. Yeah, because she, like, puts ketchup on her hands or whatever. Anyways, like, Sweet Life of Zach and Cody, which had one Asian character, and Mr. Mosby was, like, all of the Black representation until later years. Um, Yeah. And it was his niece or something that was, like, the character? His nephew. Nephew. Yeah. So it's like we we started out strong and then we moved into this era where it's like all white stars and they might have a black best friend here and there. Yeah. 
I don't know what, like, I know, well, like, partially, I can't explain Nickelodeon, and also I didn't really watch, Zoe One was the only one of those shows that, like, I really actively watched that you've mentioned, because mm-hmm. I mainly stayed on Disney, and then I think I, like, I got out of the Disney Nickelodeon stuff earlier than I think other people did, so, like, but Disney, like, I think started doing the whole, they were trying to promote like the stars and like make more money. Cause I think after Cheetah Girls and High School Musical, even though I think Hannah Montana came out before High School Musical, they like realized that they can like make more money from these tours and stuff. Yep. And so then like there is like that, I saw a TikTok the other day that was like they had the same formula for like all of these children's shows of like a marketable lead. And so usually white (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. and then like quirky friends and then they can sell a bunch of merch and concerts and all that jazz so then like maybe it was more of like it became more of a money machine and less of like wanting to create content yeah which to that point something that I hadn't really thought of it's like were they willing to do black and to have, you know, black conversations without diving too deep into blackness, which if you have um, black stars that you are then going to promote for um, musical tours and, and all that kind of stuff, do you then have to get more into an R&B field? Do you have to get into rap? Do you have to, like, like how far were they really willing to get into blackness? Whereas Hannah Montana was, you know, white pop star that kind of went country sometimes do you know what I mean like she had a guitar and all that kind of stuff not to say that black people can't or don't but for the stereotypical kind of blackness that they were showing on screen it wasn't a a real like option do you know what I mean yeah no I agree like even if I like think about like the jump in and let it shine soundtracks like they do make the music like appeal more to a black audience, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. But I know, like, jump in, like, half of those songs are sung by this, like, Kevin McHale's old R&B crew. Yep. Like, it's not really like black. Let it shine. I they were in their bag with that. Yeah, um, and it was like um, a gospel, you know, sound. Yes. To it too. Yeah, it was like gospel. They had rap in there, like, and so that's why it's like really like honestly unfortunate that they don't try to still like create like at least black decoms but I feel like they like were some of the best they really were like even though it wasn't technically a black decom but it was like a POC decom cheetah girls I think truly shaped like all POC girls in the early 2000s 100% (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> honestly yeah but even like the first movie like i like they taught like dorinda i think was like in a foster home like it was still like they still had like serious topics in the movie and i think now like the plot lines are mainly about like friendship or like or boys go deep, you know huh? or it's like or it's like it's all about like first love and boys and stuff like that it's like where are we getting like you know finding your inner strength and strutting like you mean it you know what I mean <laughs> like yeah. what happened to those conversations yeah like it really like oh man I don't like that it's like I just I'm very curious on why like 
they don't do it anymore. It doesn't make sense to like be promoting like positive self-esteem, I guess, and like diversity and then to go back. Yeah. It just it's really frustrating because it's like it's not only good for us, you know, like as black like as black kids, it wasn't just so that we could have black representation, but like it's also really good for non-black people to see black people on screens. Yeah. Honestly though, they weren't really watching. I think that's so Raven got by. But like, you know how many people don't know about the Proud family? Really? Yeah. Like sometimes well, I I'll think talk everyone about the knows show. about the Proud the Proud Family movie for some reason, but yeah maybe I mean even then like I watched that over the summer with my roommates and they're like I've not heard of this and I was like what do you I was like the proud family was one of the best cartoons like Mm -hmm. but you have to understand too that once it kind of went off of syndication and or once it kind of stopped showing new episodes on Disney Channel we got to see it on like um oh gosh what is it called the WB and CW like stuff like that like it was, but I remember watching it on Disney. Like that's the th- and so it's like people our age mm-hmm. too. Like if my sisters were like, "What's the problem?" I'd be like, "Yeah, that's understandable mm-hmm. because of like how quick Disney like turned over shows." But like people our age like weren't watching Proud Family, and I think that they kind of watched that's the Raven. But like it definitely like people don't reference that one as much as like they'll reference like Sweet Life, which was around the same time. So it's yeah. It's very interesting because it's like, I guess those options were there. I guess that kind of answers my question. Those options were there, but I guess not everyone was watching, so. Mm -hmm. But even still, I really do think that it is important to at least put it out there for them to see. Do you know what I I mean? Oh, I agree. Yeah. Just because Black kids, Black people, um, like especially when you think of, like, animation, right? You can see all these white characters where you... Where, like, in The Proud Family, it's, like, black kids, and then, like, they she has black friends with ethnic names, like Dijanae and Sticky, which is just, you know, <laughs> top tier. <laughs> um, but when, And then really, Zoe, her white ally friend. <laughs> T, but Zoe had some spice. eventually she got some seasoning um but it's like when you think of other animation it's like you might have like one character and then like other than that black kids are really dependent in that area on characters that are blue and that are green and that are like animals and and stuff like that you know where it's like they always have a white character to look at like, white kids always have a white character to look at and to project themselves onto, whereas black kids learn to kind of project onto these characters that are somewhat non-human. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, I, like I was saying to you last week, it's like, you have the show Doug. Doug has a blue best friend, Skeeter, who, you know, is a sneakerhead, and he, like, break dances and he's a DJ and stuff like that and so black people were always like yeah Skeeter's black obviously you know 
Mm-hmm. Even to the point that the creator of Doug, like in a in a book, has said, "Yeah, Skeeter is African American," and it's like, but how hard would it have been to make him an actual black person? as opposed to having all of these characters instead that are blue and green and pink. And then you have like the normal kid who's white, which is like, that was the whole point of Doug is Doug is, you know, this like average guy, white kid. And then like everyone else who's like quirky and like fun and stuff like that is a different color. Yeah, that's, oh man. I'm even thinking about like backyardigans and like, Come on, <laughs> Yeah, like, because, like, we all knew those, like, most of them were, like, honestly, like, that show probably Loki was so diverse, the characters, but we have no idea because they're backyard again. Exactly. Hold on. Let me look up these names just so that everyone knows. There's, like, Pablo. I don't remember the other ones. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's Uniqua, Tyrone, Pablo, and Tasha. Yeah, they, like, weren't white. <laughs> Which, obviously, anyone could be named anything. However, <laughs> however, Uniqua, Tyrone, come on, come on. Yeah, like, it's like, wow, I, I, I that just awoke us up. I forgot about the backyard again until you mentioned Doug, and I was like, wow, they really did do that. Yeah, so it's like, white kids aren't forced to which to your point about maybe they aren't watching it's because they like we may have one or two shows on and they have like 16 you know so obviously they may not feel the need (laughs) and I'm not saying that they should you know like bump up this representation so that white kids don't have a choice that's not what I'm saying obviously put the option out there if they watch they watch but I think just having the option for white kids to look at other of kids of other colors like actual skin colors not red blue and pink you know what I mean mm-hmm. and finding similarities between themselves and the characters on the screen is really going to help with cultural sensitivity yeah no yeah it definitely does because it's because it's their first like introduction to <laughs> these people besides school. Mm-hmm. And how many times have you been the only black kid in your class? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And and like for all of those classes, there are probably plenty. I think probably plenty in our in our school that they had a class where it was all white. Yeah, it's wild to think about. Mm-hmm. Because, hell, if we weren't in the class, then somebody's got, someone's missing a black. <laughs> and it's wild, yeah, because it's wild for me to think about because I can't ever be in a class that's all white. This, like, because obviously I am the person that's different. Mm-hmm. But, like, man, if I'm not, if I'm absent. Who else do they have? <laughs> and don't, yeah, uh, wow. That's, I've never really thought about that. Yeah, ex- yeah, especially because, like, your introduction to, like, people of other cultures and races is very dependent on like where you live which like mm-hmm. kids can't really choose so like it is very important that like media does have it because of the- until college it's way too late 
It really is. Like, to be one of the first Black people that, like, someone has, like, really interacted with, like, come on. this It's in college? <laughs> it's whack. <laughs> you're, you're trying to make whack happen. I'm and not trying to make whack happen. You've said whack, like, 12 times in this podcast. And it has sent me every time. Because <laughs> all I can think about is Whitney Houston being like, crap, I make too much money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more so I can have a substitute to wild. Um, well, one thing, too, the pandemic, too, I think, like, media has more of a responsibility of, like, teaching about everything almost right now. Mm-hmm. Because, like, like socially, because kids aren't getting social interactions like they used to. For sure. And I think that now, like, like you said, like media is pretty much one of the only ways that kids are able to get a gra- get a good grasp on certain concepts, um, especially like with all of the Black Lives Matter protesting that was going on last year and how like they had those Sesame Street, you know, um, town halls for parents to sit down with their kids and really discuss. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I love that. Yeah. So like, like obviously we sat down with like um, my niece and nephew and it was, it's, it's just a lot easier of a conversation because it's like, like I said, like she's really smart. So like, she knows like, okay, I'm black. Everyone else around me is white right now. Don't know why they have an issue with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely does make it more palatable. I would say, again, it's like, it is a little bit still frustrating because it's like, yes, Elmo has red fur and Zoe has pink fur and they're both great, right? But it's like, I think we have seen time and time again that like kids don't always then put that into skin. Yeah, because yeah, that connection is hard to make as a child. Because mm-hmm. they're like, all monsters are the same. And it's like, yes. However, all humans are the same too, right? And even yeah. in ways, I think it's even important for ways that we aren't the same, you know? Like Proud Family, they used a lot of African-American vernacular English. Yeah, they did. And so, and even like <laughs> Raven used a lot of it, you know? So it's yeah. like, even hearing the cultural differences um, between races and being able to normalize it is a lot better. I think better suited for like when you have, when you have representation on screen that they can then say, Oh, okay. Like there's diversity here. There's something different here. And it's not something that I need to be alarmed about. Yeah. No, definitely. I'm wondering if, like, were the writers black for both those shows? Uh, that's a Raven, no. Proud Family, mm. yes. Okay. Well, that, the creator of That's a Raven was not black. I don't know about writing and stuff, but 
definitely the creator that was a white man. I feel like, I don't know, I could be wrong, but I feel like I heard too that like, I think Raven didn't even audition for that role. I think she auditioned for Chelsea. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't, like the show wasn't probably meant to be a black show, which honestly is even better. Mm-hmm. Huh, that's not just, wait a minute, now that I deep that, like the fact that Raven's auditioning for Chelsea, the sidekick, yeah. kind of a read. Like, kind of. Wow, Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so, like, oh, that honestly, now that, like, I think about it, because it's, like, she honestly had to make her own opportunity and, like, probably just blew them away at the audition all of a sudden, and it changed the whole concept of the show. Mm-hmm. I mean, and when you think about it, like, Chelsea is just as, as integral a part of that show as Raven is, you know? Um, yeah. Like, it's still a great part, but it's not that so Chelsea, it's that so Raven. So, I... Yeah, it definitely matters. It's like, it's things like that, that um, I feel like even parents grasp onto. Because like, I'm not gonna lie. I struggle with putting my niece in, in like Jojo Siwa stuff and like all this kind of other, like- <laughs> I um, wonder, I was gonna ask about it, but I didn't. <laughs> yeah, cause it's like, cause like even like, I used to like think my mom was like crazy or something. But it's like every time I see it now, I'm like, can we find something that has a little black girl on it? <laughs> you know, like yeah. it, like it shouldn't matter, obviously. And black kids, white kids, whoever should be able to love and wear and do whatever they want. But like, I think even still, like I was like as a kid, I was like, no, I don't really care. But like now that I'm older, I'm like, you are you sure you don't want the black baby doll? <laughs> you know what I mean? No, um, yeah, I agree. Because I remember my mom used to not buy me, shirt. like, there's a shirt that had, like, it was, she wasn't white on the shirt, but, like, she wasn't black. And my mom was like, I don't really want to buy this for you, but, like, I really want this shirt. So she ended up getting it for me. And then, like, I, like, found the shirt over the holidays and I was cleaning out my room. I was like, I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, I understand. <laughs> Yeah, because you don't realize how much that stuff kind of affects you. Like, I even remember books that I used to read. Like, like my favorite books when I was a kid were The Click. And yeah. all of those girls were white girls. You know, white, rich, like you said, mean girl, kind of. Like we were talking about last last episode. And it was like, loved those books. And it never really crossed my mind that there wasn't a single Black character in these books like anywhere in these books and books are so much harder because I agree I don't think I've really read much many books of diversity mm-hmm. but it's so easy to get away with it sometimes because of like because especially in series you get one description of like really how they look and then you keep it moving because mm-hmm. um, I think apparently Hermione is canonly not white I don't know if she's necessarily black I just know that she's like well, that's also a woman of color. Yeah, that's also J.K. Rowling in her whole, you know, once but everything's think, said and done, she's always like, "Yeah, well, that person's actually a person of color. That person's actually no." Gay. I think it was <laughs> like I think it like actually is like canonly was in the book, mm-hmm. like um Hermione, but none of us noticed. Mm-hmm. And like the thing, like people would be mad about like Harry's eye colors, but no one cared that Hermione was white in the movie. Yeah, that's key because it's like if there's like that stuff and it's like they did it with 
the Hunger Games, where it's like Jennifer Lawrence is not a brown girl, so I don't know where this came from, or like, like the casting of Rue and stuff like that. It's like it, like people. I think in books take a lot more liberally when they then cast it to a movie because they, like you said, like people don't really notice. But like, yeah, on those books that I was reading, like all those girls were white, and so like I even remember um, getting picked on to some extent um, in like fifth grade because people were like, "All those girls are white." Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you can't be anyone in that book. And it, oh damn, yeah. Yeah, we love we love deeping some trauma, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's like, and it's like, and I really didn't get it, you know, like I I I feel like it was like in that space where like I said everyone on TV that we're seeing like especially at that time in fifth grade more a little bit older, it's like it didn't really like set in with me that like oh, okay, these are, like, like, it does kind of matter. Yeah, yeah. I, honestly, I do think recently there's been better, like, representation in, like, young adult novels, but I really don't know. Mm-hmm. And, like, I like what, and also I don't know what kids are, if kids are reading and what they are reading these days. Mm-hmm. And, like, I have been reading um a lot more of, uh, a, a lot more why recently as I've been like refamiliarizing myself with the um with the genre for like writing purposes and like there seems to be a large um shift towards fantasy so there's like mermaids and angels and all that kind of stuff now that like are centering like black girls like um I just read um a book called Pet uh by Oh, I'd have to get up and go over there and find the book on my shelf and I'll I'll tag it. I'll in the um description. Um <laughs> but it's a book called Pet and it's actually about a black trans girl, you know? Um mm-hmm. and there and then I read a book um called Pride, which is like something that I feel like would have been more up our alley. Um, or at least my alley. It was like a romance YA novel, um, which is like a spin on Pride and Prejudice, except it's set in um, Brooklyn. And the family that moves in across the street, like the rich family that moves in across the street is a Black family, you know? So it's a Black love story. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, there's definitely a push for POC to be headlining these like, books and stuff I think the best part about it for me is that books seem to transition more into let's put a black person in a black family in a black school like or like around other black people whereas when we see it on screen if you don't have a rainbow it's not representation and I'm not saying you know that everyone doesn't deserve to be seen on on screen because they do However, I think we have to think about realistically how do, like, people interact with one another. Yeah. 
No, that's very true. It's like sometimes we just get your we said you said you said at the beginning like sometimes we get one black lead and then the rest are still white. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's like not it that does happen at our high school where there are thirty black kids and then the rest of the hundreds are are white kids and so and then like even in our friend group that we have from high school it's like yeah we're all minorities but we are the coloreds of Keller like that's. Oh, like the, if you want to find a minority here we are <laughs> honestly <laughs> like it's like yeah we banded together like in solidarity to some extent um but you're not really going to see a whole lot of diversity in any of the other groups yeah yeah that's so true so it's like, where can we find representation of Black people interacting with other Black people and it be the norm? And it's like, I even struggle to write those situations because I've never really been in them. Yeah. The issue too, because it's like, that is art like that experience is shown already so much on screen Mm -hmm. like our experience and so like it really like there is like it's like not enough representation but it's like what they try to get away with yeah which like i said like i think it was it's almost been a week and a half almost two weeks ago now that kenya barris was being dragged on twitter by black twitter because um came out that he I don't know if he did this I don't know if Disney did this I don't know what the you know consensus was um true but you don't know who was casting yeah basically um a white actor Zach Braff was cast opposite of Gabrielle Union in the Disney plus remake of Cheaper by the Dozen which is directed by Kenya Barris and for those of you who aren't familiar, Zach Braff is a very white man. <laughs> and so, like, and Gabrielle Union is a incredible black woman. <clears throat> Dark-skinned black woman, might I add. Um, so, I think, like, people ha- have this issue with the fact that he continuously puts, like, you're not going to get a fully black um, story out of Kenya Barris. You're going to get blackish, which is proving blackness to black people, white people. I haven't really figured that out yet, but it's still in a white, predominantly white world. You know, you have grownish, which still a, pretty much a PWI. You have um, mixedish, which again showcases black woman, white man, mixed children. And so it's like you have this opportunity to have a black mom, a black dad, and 12 black children cast, you know, and you again choose to do a black woman, black mom, white dad, and a whole bunch of loose tech. Well, we, we don't haven't seen the kids, so we can't say say, but. The consensus would know. be uh, like a whole bunch of loose curl pattern, light skinned kids. Yeah. 
Oh, I think the more you talk about, it, the more upset I get about it. <laughs> <laughs> because especially like, I would love to see like twelve black kids in a whole big ass black family. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, it's just yeah, it's true. Cause now yeah, last time when we were talking about this, we, I didn't consider we don't really know who cast the show, but also, I I also fully like oh man. I also have an issue, too, with the fact that it's, like, a Black woman, because I also can't trust that it'll be written fully correctly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, the fact that she's the only make fully Black character um, does kind of stress me out, not gonna lie. Um, but I do, I yeah, I do think it's, he's not really considering, I think because what he's created have been quote-unquote hits, He's like not gonna stray from that, um, although he should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think we talked about a little too that like he we're presuming is a black man, um, like just fully black. I'm not one hundred percent positive, but we're presuming he's a black man who has a white passing wife whose name is actually Doctor Rainbow in real life. Um, so fun fun times for her um but it's like it is him recreating his own experiences to, to an extent. yeah and so it's like how much do we which i think we you know ask of white creators too is like how much do we expect them to go outside of what they know to represent diverse to like represent diverse cultures and stuff uh, I watched Malcolm Marie. I know we're talking about it next week, but I think we'll talk a lot about that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. I'm excited. Y'all come back next week because Brie texted me last night and was like, don't say anything to me until the podcast. So <laughs> I'm going to sit down and like take my time and take notes and we're going to have a great conversation about it next week. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to give you, because also I don't want to sway your opinion, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to say anything. Um, but yeah, it that's uh, that's one thing I think I've realized more and more is like how important it is that people are like uh, writing from like their own experiences or like people that they're close to with like similar experiences for like the most authentic or like enough enough that it's like correct. <laughs> yeah. Um. Because it really just, like, it doesn't make good product if you don't really know or actually, like, consider perspectives of people who do know. Yeah. So it's, like, would you rather that him try and write a fully Black, you know, family and do it poorly than to do this? I don't know. Um, Yeah. Just for the sake of having a fully Black family on screen? I don't know. And it's like, why are we still having to make those compromises in 2021? I also don't know that answer. Um, but well, it's because like, it's like, it's like we get, and I can't be mad because there's definitely way more black creators that are like known now, mm-hmm. but it's because we just like, there's, there needs, we need more who are like writing more black experiences. Yeah. And I think, when we're thinking about things like cheaper by the dozen or just like, you know, sitcoms and stuff like that. It's people asking for 
normal everyday things um, as opposed to which we can have this argument too. It doesn't have to be an argument, but it's like, I think there's always this responsibility that when black people get their platform and when they get their, you know, their spot and their chance, they have to highlight black issues like police brutality and like all of the inequalities and stuff like that, as opposed to just, you know, or as opposed to like highlighting the fun parts of what it means to be black, which there are many, you know, and like the, the, the great parts of being black. And so it can get a little bit where it's like, this is my opportunity. I have to, you know, I have to be great representation for um, our community, but we're not getting the opportunity to just kind of like be on screen. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's hard to, cause like, I don't know. It's, I think it's also hard to please the black community a lot of the time too, mm-hmm. because I like don't mind. Like if someone has a platform and they're not doing like the police brutality and like basically showing like the, like the struggles, I'm not too bothered by it, mm-hmm. but like, like I honestly feel like they should, like I feel like they should be able to just be successful, <laughs> yep. and not have to be stressed out that like one wrong move. Because the thing is, is like, white communities already starting, like they're already apprehensive about it. So what we need to do is just support it. Um. Except when they disappoint us, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> oh, okay. I see what you're saying now. That, like, in order to kind of get black, get white people to still go see it, that we gotta, you know, get on the bandwagon. Which, yes. And it's like, you do then ask yourself, like, like the question I'm always asking is, when, if it was a black mom, which white people love Gabrielle Union, I think they really liked her on um, America's Got Talent. I think that's what she's on. I think she may have ruffled a few feathers when, you know, she was quote unquote fired or, or I, don't, I don't know about the situation. I don't think we ever talked about it, but. <laughs> that's what my, my mom stopped watching because of it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I think black people stopped watching. I think white people may have gotten like, uh, she may be a little, you know, too radical for us. I don't know. But it's like, do you have to cast Zach Braff across from her to then get the white audience to still watch. And I, because the thing is that I hate is that I feel like we never try. Like what, what would have been different if he would have just cast a black man. Mm-hmm. And it's also no offense, but like, I don't think the Disney plus movies are like doing too, too, too great. Where like, it really matters. Yeah. <laughs> like, why not just take this opportunity? You have Gabrielle Union. She's amazing. Um, I'm sure they're gonna get very talented kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I don't know why they didn't just do a black have a black man play the father. That's true, especially because it's like I I think to some extent they're like we want to keep the um this not the nostalgia, but it's like the last person who did cheaper by the dozen was Steve Martin. You know, yeah, and yeah. I think they didn't want a chance maybe casting someone that they didn't know that people don't know. And it's like, you don't want to put Kevin Hart in something else, especially in a kid's movie. Cause we don't know how that's going to go. And it's like, 
who uh, I mean I guess but I think it's because Cheaper Pie doesn't such a white person classic mm-hmm. like it's like why not just have it be like a new audience's yeah movie. and it's like would it be so bad if it was just something that the black community embraced yeah that's bottom line <laughs> that is the tea I mean overall this, I think this is a lot more of a new like I think we did a pretty okay job, but it's like, obviously representation is a lot more of a nuanced conversation than just, you know, put more black people on the screen. Like at the end of the day, these companies are like, we need to make money, especially when you have like new platforms like Disney plus and Disney's also not going to get their big releases anytime soon. Um, With the pandemic going on, it's like, the conversations that are being had are a lot more in depth than what we can do right now. But I I think Mm -hmm. it's still a conversation that we have to push forward. Like it's 2021. We got to do better. Yeah, I agree. We really should, because it doesn't make sense why we're doing better in the early 2000s. Do way better in the early 2000s than we're doing right now. Alrighty, y'all. So now it's time for Sorry Not Sorry this week, where it's the segment that we just talk about what we're unapologetically excited about, maybe frustrated about, whoever knows, whatever we want to talk about. So, Ray, what's yours? Mine this week, making up a little bit of, of time for how we both showcased white artists last week, even though we both talked about them before, you know, that podcast specifically. I have been listening to a lot of Victoria Monet. Over these, oh. yeah, over these past couple days, um, it was the first time that I really gave her album like a through and through listen. Um, and well, it's really because she dropped a, a new single the other day um, called F U C K, which I'm not I'm not like avoiding saying the word, but it is just called F U C K, um, which great song, and I was like, how like did I miss it? Like, did, like, cause I knew she had an album that came out. I knew Jaguar was out. I was like, did I ever listen? Like, it was one of those things where I couldn't remember. And it was like, I know I kind of like her. I know that ass like that was a really good song that I was bopping to. I remember she had a great <laughs> performance on Jimmy Kimmel, I think where she did moments where she had great choreography, great body. Like she was serving. I was like, she's one of those artists where, again, kind of like a Betty Who, where I'm like, why aren't you bigger than what you are? Like, and she kind of gets by, you know, doing, you know, other things like writing for Ariana Grande, obviously, and writing for Chloe and Halle. Um, So it's like, she's such a superstar and such a powerhouse in her own right. And I just hadn't really taken the opportunity to just like sit down and listen and I did it this week, and I really like it. Oh, she's a she is such a vibe, and I, I think more so than like other R and B girls that are out right now. Like I'm not much of a Summer Walker girl or her person, or I like her, but not like like that, like that. And then um, who else was I thinking of? Like a Snow Allegra. Like I like them. And they're, but they're like, they're people who I'm like, you know, a few songs here and there that I'll download and listen to and put on playlists and stuff, but I'm not necessarily like a stan. 
I think that this is an album that I'm actually going to listen to and like I'm really going to be paying attention more to her in these upcoming um, years. She usually does a part one and a part two of her albums. She's done, I guess, technically a part one of this album that she just dropped in 2020. She's having a baby soon. So I'm not sure if she's going to be dropping a part two anytime soon. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Highly okay. recommend Victoria Monet. I I'll listen. I feel like I've heard a few of her songs. Yeah, she's, I don't know. She's really vibey, like, and she's kind of cocky, which I really like. And like <laughs> I said, she writes for Ariana. She writes for Chloe and Hallie. Like she she like a lot of our you know bops songs that we really like are her products. So good for you, Victoria Monet. <laughs> Alrighty, B, what you got? Um, so what I have is the Black Stories tab on Hulu. Um, so I actually ventured over to Hulu last night because they, the New York Times, like, presents show, did a Britney Spears, um, like, Free Britney episode. So I, obviously I had to go add to my list. But then I was checking out the Black Stories tab, and I added Being Mary Jane to my list. But also, Flavor of Love is on. No way! (laughs) (laughs) So, you know I had to add that to my list. Flavor of Love? What the fuck? I I literally was like this hidden gem that I was too young to watch when it came out. It was right, I think, before I started watching Bad Girls Club. So, I'm so excited. Because you know I love reality TV. um, But also, I'm really excited to watch Being Mary Jane as well. Yeah. I actually, I low key think Hulu is my favorite um, streaming platform. Ooh, yeah, I think I I really do watch a lot more on Hulu than I do on Netflix, and I think it spins since Netflix has done more originals. Interesting. Yeah, not on purpose. It's just like I want to watch some old shows that I was too young to enjoy when they were first out, mm-hmm. like Being Mary Jane and Flavor of Love. <laughs> I'm excited. One. First, I'm excited that you will get to know New York Tiffany Pollard on I like know. the first hand. That's I know. <laughs> <laughs> Two, I agree. I think that's kind of why um, I have drifted more towards HBO Max right now. Not, mm. not only because I'm taking a turn towards like classic films and movies and doing a lot of like film study, so that's kind of where I've been residing. Um, but yeah they just have a lot of a lot of nostalgic things like they have HBO Max has all Cartoon Network shows so like I was even yeah I was even watching like Teen Titans the other day and like my nephew was watching with me and I was like these are vibes these are good vibes CBS has Silent Library I don't know if you watched that show loved Silent Library me too so you know how jazzed I was when I saw the seasons were on there um yeah, it's just like I love Netflix for being Netflix, but the other streaming s- platforms do be doing it. That they do. <laughs> oh man. Alrighty, guys. Well, that's gonna wrap up this week's episode of R and B. Thank you for listening. If you can like, do it. If you can share, do it. If you can subscribe, do it. Be out here in these streets for us because we're trying to be out here in the streets for you guys. And as always, thanks for listening. Bye.